So I always say procrastination and conflict avoidance is killing agriculture. And I want every listener hearing our voice right now to know that you can get really good at doing conflict well, and that you as the young woman or the young dad or the grandma, whoever it is, you can be the driver for change in your family system. Hi, friend. Welcome to Gather and Growth, a show created for passionate, growth-focused rural women like you. From mindset work and building strong habits to exploring the unique joys and challenges of living rural, this is a show to leave you feeling joyful, inspired, and a little less alone. Together, we're on a journey of reaching for the most confident, healthy, and authentic version of ourselves, and I'm forever grateful to have you by my side. Whether you're currently running on a back road, shuffling kids to town, hopping along for a tractor ride, or three loads deep into folding laundry, grab yourself a nice coffee and let's dive in. All right, friends, welcome back to Gather and Growth. Today, I am absolutely honored to be joined by Elaine Frace, someone who has been recommended for the show and brought up in countless mastermind and coaching conversations as really a go-to resource in navigating farm transitions and family dynamics and all the unique nuances that come with life and agriculture alongside family. So Elaine, welcome. We are so grateful to have you. If someone is just getting to know you for the first time, would you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what brought you to today? So I was raised on a mixed farm just outside of Winnipeg, Manitoba, the first farm east of Winnipeg, eldest of five, learned how to chase a lot of steers and drive combines with my dad and uh, had access to a big city. So I had a very lovely urban rural life growing up, became an extension home economist back in 1978, was called to a small town in southwestern Manitoba named Boisevine, which is on mile 16. So for your American listeners, Emily, I live just 16 miles straight north of North Dakota and the International Peace Gardens. And when I speak in the U.S., I drive to Minot, North Dakota and fly out to wherever I'm going to conferences across the U.S., which I really appreciate, by the way, because I um, appreciate having impact on American agriculture as well. Anyway, so I did what you did. I married a farmer. Um, I was a farm <laughs> kid, unlike you, but I uh, was an extension county agent, you would call call it, for six years, and then started having family, and then got really, really sick with postpartum depression. So that's also mm-hmm. part of my story and in, in how I encourage our families. And what, spent most of 1984 in a psych ward. I was so, mm-hmm. so sick. I'm very thankful that I've been healthy for 39 years. And in that time, was called again by the government job that I had to come back to family tables with my flip chart to facilitate really tough conversations. And this all started back in 1993. Fast forward to 2003. I'm needing meaning and purpose in my life again. My kids are getting older. I have a a, daughter, Erica, our son Ian is adopted and he's our successor on our farm business. And his wife and three kids live 159 steps from my back step, which is awesome with three grandchildren. And so all these years since 2003, June 2023, as we're speaking now is my 20th anniversary of being a trained Hudson Institute coach. And I'm really, really thankful because all of these things have wired themselves together to help me understand that farm families are stuck and they're Mm -hmm. stuck because of the emotional factors affecting planning 
And they're also stuck because of how they feel about communication and conflict. So besides becoming a, a trained certified coach, I also got a certificate in mediation and conflict resolution, mm-hmm. did 10 years of farm debt mediation as a mediator. And again, have been in my farm partner role with my husband, Wes, and it's our 42nd wedding anniversary on July 4th. So thank you for having fireworks for us every year. <laughs> You're so and welcome. That's, that's the oxymoron of marriage. We got married in Canada on Independence Day. <laughs> so that, that's the story. And, and now this is all kind of transformed is I've always loved speaking. So I've been speaking since I was in 4-H, since I was nine years old. 4-H Canada awarded me their most distinguished alumni award in 2018, which was very humbling because it's part of how I'm wired to want to give messages of encouragement. My business is called Seeds of Encouragement. Mm -hmm. And so here we are. And so I'm old enough to be your mom. I'm 66 and um, aging in place on a farm. And I'm in the same journey as all your listeners are. So I think that's what makes the street cred valuable is that we're all on this journey together and let's make it a good one. So I hope that gives people a sense of who I am. Yeah, I love that. So when you look at the past 20 years of the work that you've done, helping farm families navigate these conversations, what are some of the common themes that stick out to you in, like you said, so many families are stuck or they have this emotional bottleneck or they don't have clarity around their decision-making. What are some of those overarching themes? And then how would you suggest a listener be able to take that back to their farm and move forward? So I like to use toys, Emily, and, and this isn't on video yet, but we'll, we'll make it visual as audio as we can. But I use, I have my three baby links here. And one of the themes is you have to understand the family is a system. Mm-hmm. Your business is a system. And so the three circle model in business is labor management and ownership. And I'm, I have a degree in home economics. So I've always been concerned about good decision-making and quality of life. Mm-hmm. And when I look at a family and the theme that comes up, when people reach out to us, they say, Elaine, help us find a way to come to the table. And so I really think the one of the underlying themes is procrastination, Emily, is that mm. people put things off. A whole year in ag goes by, oh, well, we'll talk about this important thing about transferring the farm or you becoming the manager or us giving up some of the ownership. We'll do that after planting. Well, now we're, we're past, we just finished planting this week. No, we'll do it after haying. No, we'll do it after spraying and fungiciding. No, we'll do it after harvest. No, we'll do it after American Thanksgiving, which is later than Canadian <laughs> Thanksgiving. And then we'll do it after Christmas. No, we'll do it after we get back from winter holidays. And no, we'll do it after planting. And do you see what I just did? Mm-hmm. A whole year has gone by. So I always say procrastination. And conflict avoidance is killing agriculture. And I want every listener hearing our voice right now to know that you can get really good at doing conflict well, and that you as a young woman or the young dad or the grandma, whoever it is, you can be the driver for change in your family system. But somebody has to show up and saying, you know what, this isn't working. So we have to have some new behavior here. And I, we talk about the culture of agriculture. And I've been very blessed. Uh, I had in-laws that were amazing. Our transition plan took six months. We were in front of an accountant who was a great facilitator. 
he said, pretend Elaine's in the room and Wes get killed. What would you do? And they say, oh, we take the farm back. I said, no, no way. I've given you my 11 best years. I've given you two grandchildren and I'm going to raise these kids. So we had a, we had an opportunity as young people in our thirties to have really robust conversations that were safe and respectful. Mm-hmm. And that's what people are longing for because in Proverbs, as you know, there's a verse that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And there's young people like you, your age group, that are losing hope because there's no certainty for their future. And they go, should I walk away? And I I, I just heard from a young woman on TikTok this week, and she, she's writing a letter to her dad because she's got a husband and two kids. She wants to be the successor of her farm. And she just can't get her dad to the table to talk about it. He keeps brushing her off. So the themes that you asked about, I think the themes are how can we have clarity of expectations, know what everybody's wanting? Mm -hmm. How can we know what the timelines are for those agreements? What do you expect? Like, is mom going to get pushed out of the main yard, out of the main house and have to leave her raspberry patch? And you're going, Elaine, what are you talking about? Raspberry patches. But people have emotional connections to gardens and landscaping and where they park their horse for the winter. So, and then the third piece is who's committed to making it happen? Because mm-hmm. I have a, a list of a lane phrase, a play on my name, the phrase that pays. And one of them is talk does not cook rice. You And that's a Chinese proverb. You have to do the work. Mm-hmm. So I want to inspire your audience, Emily, to say, you know what? We're getting the behavior we accept. There's going to be some change on this farm. We're going to get ready. We're going to get ready personally. We're going to get ready by reaching out to the founders or to the grandparents or the relatives. And we're going to take this journey and we don't have to do it alone. So for someone who's like, okay, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, but maybe their parents or their in-laws or the grandparents or the sibling is not on board. Right. They don't, they don't want to come to the table. And that's where this point of resistance is, is I feel, at least in the conversations that I've had, there are women, couples that are around my generation that are ready to have these conversations, who want to know what the certainty looks like, who want to have a plan, who don't want to deal with this in a time of crisis exactly. or upon or death. Or or cancer. Right, or right. Um, but like you said, that procrastination piece, or I think another thing that you you brought up was people not even necessarily knowing what they want, but being afraid of the conversation in general. So, well, and, and, and so start with you. You know, mm-hmm. you have that challenge. What is it? You do you for 82 or whatever. Yeah, doing. yeah. <laughs> I love that saying because I have I have a niece. I love her dearly. She's also a coach. She lives in Toronto and she's into one of these big startup companies. So she has a very urban life. And she just says, just show up as the best version of you. And so what that means is, and I had this conversation yesterday with this wonderful dairy farmer woman from Canada won't say which province she's from because it's a small country and people know each other. Anyway, I know her because I, I, um, I saw her at a conference and remember having the conversation. And now here she is, two children later, but her founding father keeps changing the rules. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she said very clearly, Elaine, my parents refused to talk to any kind of advisors and especially to you because I would ask hard questions, right? And I always say, your life is now very impacted because once you've met me and I've coached you or had interactions with you, you can use me as your scapegoat or as your accountability partner. 
Anyway, we were talking yesterday and she's beside herself because the rules of the transition plan keep changing. And I said, okay, let's just work with you. Let's coach you. Mm-hmm. And you talked about the resistance that you hear with your friends and conversations with your friends. There's this amazing book by Rick Maurer called Why Don't You Want What I Want? And he talks about intellectual resistance in your head. And so when I'm speaking, I, I, I do the 4-H pledge. I pledge my head to clear thinking. And so you touch your head. So what intellectually do you not understand about the power of well-written agreements, even just an operating agreement on your farm? Because when we first started farming with Wes's dad and mom, when Wes finished his ag degree way back in 1980, just before we got married, he got the farm lock, stock and barrel because his dad wanted to be a pastor. And he said, here you go, son, knock yourself out. So at 22, my husband became the main manager, which was daunting and That's why he's so compassionate mentoring with our son, who's 35 now, because he's put in 40 odd crops already. And he's, he's done the deal. He didn't, he didn't get delayed management. He got to, he got to do it for a long, long time. So is the pushback, Emily, coming back with things that people don't understand that will really help them get clarity of expectations, like an operating agreement, a partnership agreement, or if you're a farm corp, those kinds of things, or even an estate plan. And here's the other deal. In the U.S., I find it very interesting how much you people love trusts. And I, <laughs> I, I do not have affection for trusts because they, to me, are, feel very constricting and, and they aren't used the same way in Canada. We do things like estate freezes, which are much different than, than a trust. And I'm not an accountant and I don't give legal advice. All of this to say is the resistance could come from the head. Then I want people to, and I pledge my heart to better living or my health to better living. and. So it's the emotional factors, right? Dad is, doesn't tell you what he wants because he's struggling with the fact that he's aging in place or he's struggling with the loss of wealth or the fear of failure that you as the next gen are going to screw up and lose the farm, which you're not, but that's the fear and the story he's telling himself. So there's pushback about the emotional or I don't like how this feels. Mm-hmm. And then the third piece of resistance comes from the gut. So the head the heart and the gut and the gut is the piece of trust and your intuition. And I always tell the story with my husband where he was offered land, got the offer accepted, and then he couldn't sleep that night. So that next morning he drove to the young farmer who he knew had been renting that field or those three quarters and said, look, if you match this offer and can get the financing, it's yours. And people think my husband's crazy. No, he's wise and generous And he knew intuitively there was something wrong with this decision. Mm -hmm. And so sure enough, this young farmer got the land, which is great. But wouldn't you know, three months later, a better piece of three quarters came up to us closer that had drainage. And that was the land we were supposed to have. Mm -hmm. So, So just understanding, Emily, that a lot of people in farming are making assumptions about what other people are truly thinking, feeling, needing, and wanting. And we just need to, we need to ask better questions and we need to do it with kindness and respect. Mm. In our family, there's no profanity. Yeah, there might be something come out of your mouth when the wrench drops on your toe or something, but you know, it's not constant. And people, it's funny because we have a a certified seed business, which my, my son now owns and he runs it. And, you know, customers are coming in all the time to pick up semis are coming. My 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 farm looks like an industrial zone. We have 86 grain bins on our farm and huge seed plants and offices and shops and all these things. 
anyway, all this to say that people come into our, our presence and they're not, there's not a lot of profanity going along. So the other question is, what's the culture? Like, mm. are you allowed to, to sit down and have a safe and respectful gathering? And if you can't do it yourself, you know, DIY is probably not good for farm transition. It's yeah. better to have someone who can facilitate and pull those questions out of you. Over the past year, I know you have heard me talking about masterminds. I bet you're thinking, hmm, that sounds kind of cool, but what is a mastermind? And is this even for me? Let me break it down for you. Simply put, my masterminds are groups of rural women who come together to support each other in achieving their goals. It's like having a personal board of directors or cheerleaders who are there to help you succeed. Here's how it works. Our mastermind groups are filled with six to seven rural women, small town doers and dreamers, entrepreneurs, or women in agriculture who are invested in their personal and professional growth. We meet bi-weekly, which is every other week, for two hours throughout the 16-week session. During these meetings, each member has the opportunity to share their goals, challenges, and successes. The other members then offer feedback, advice, and support to help them overcome any obstacles and stay on track. This session, I have mastermind groups that focus on overall personal and professional growth, accountability, and goal setting, along with targeted groups for specific needs such as new moms or emerging entrepreneurs. One of the cool things about a mastermind group is that it gives you access to other women who share similar interests, lifestyles, and goals. You'll have the opportunity to connect with other rural women who are on a similar journey, which can be incredibly inspiring and so motivating. Plus, being part of a mastermind group helps you develop new skills, learn from others, and gain new perspectives on your goals and challenges. It's like having a whole team of advisors who are invested in your success and genuinely want to see you win. You heard me right. No drama, no competition, 1000% rural women supporting rural women with big dreams. My next session, the last of 2023, will kick off the last week in July and registration is opening soon. Spots are extremely limited, so be sure to click the link in today's show notes to get on the wait list. I would love for you to talk more into something I heard you mention on another podcast, which is how different generations or, or decades of age, kind of what their core needs are and how right. they're perceiving things. I think that would be really helpful for what I want to dive into. Right. Next. And I, and, and I'm glad you asked that question because that's map four of the Hudson Institute training. I was just on a call yesterday with Dr. Pam McLean, who I love dearly, who's the head of that Institute. That is understanding that each decade, Emily has different age needs and tasks. And so when I'm speaking, I, I will, I rarely do a presentation without explaining this because I'm very happy to tell everyone I'm 66 years old, because when you call me, I'm going to find out in the first three minutes, how old you are. Because when I do a family map, when a family comes in to even think about working with our team or finding out what the next steps could be in your twenties, it's about independence. So you need to go get some ag training, get your trade mechanics, go to college, get some ag business experience, whatever it is. But you need to separate from your parents of origin. And a lot of farm management consultants, like my friend Dick Whitman, will say, you also need to go and work for someone else to experience yeah. that there is life beyond the management style of the farm you grew up on, right? Yeah. So that's very helpful. 
so 20 in your 20s is about independence. And I always joke to the kids, I get them to stand up in my audience. I say, and I hope none of you are still sleeping in your parents' basement. And then one guy will say, yeah, Elaine, I am because I'm saving money. I said, okay. Get out. (laughs) Fair comment. Okay. But in your 30s, Emily, that's that's the decade of mastering success. Mm -hmm. It's also the one of tiredness. You're about to have your third child in October. Right. And it's paying mortgages. And it's for a lot of women in agriculture, it's going like what you interviewed some of your guests who had off farm jobs. And, you know, that one woman, you, Jenner woman, she drove what, an hour or something to get to her work? Or that was awful. She lost two hours of her day just commuting to work. And so we have all these roles pushing on us. But in your 30s, if you're 35 and you start going, wow. I've been working my butt off on this farm for over 10 or 12, 13 years. Where's my security of equity? And then the next stage then is your 40s. And the 40s is life-changing for many reasons for people. They think it's old. It is in Canada because our insurance and rebate programs, you become an old farmer in Canada, by the way, when you're 40. So just, just FYI. Anyway, in your 40s, this is the critical part. If you don't have a clear path or, or agreements around building equity, you're just a glorified employee of the farm. And you're not happy because you're working your butt off for the good of your family, but you don't know when it becomes partially yours or mm-hmm. all, all of yours. And that is where you need power and control over your destiny. And that doesn't sit well with the 62-year-old father who says, trust me, this will all just be yours when I die. So just be patient. And I'm just going, no, <sighs> screaming, no, because I, I know too many stories and I'm not going to repeat them on this podcast, Emily, because my hashtag on Twitter is healing stories. Number four egg. <laughs> I'm tired of the bad ones. We okay. want to create healing stories. So in your fifties, it's about simplicity. How can I make my life better? And I tease my audience all of you who are in your 50s who are women, tell me if you've stopped dusting like I have. And they all stop <laughs> you know, dusting is such a useless activity, right? And I use dusting to write love notes to my husband in the headboard of our bed or the customers laugh. They say, oh, Elaine's been here again because I draw smiley faces on the back of a semi-truck in the dust just to be fun. In your 60s though, which is where I am, it's about what are you doing to create to start over again? And that's exactly what my husband has done. He is no longer the main manager and he's stepping back without stepping away, which is a beautiful term that Dick Whitman has used. And then it's about how do we create plan for the future? And in your 70s, yes, I have very vibrant men and women who are still in their 70s doing great work. And I believe that I will do really great work still when I'm in my 70s, but it's different, Emily. And then in your 80s, I have these 83-year-olds, particularly in Alberta. I don't know why they love to come to my seminars in their 80s and 90s. <laughs> but they there are 80-year-olds who are still very vibrant. And I'm thinking of, of a man in our church who's turning 80 next week. And he's just right in there with his two sons doing amazing things in agriculture. But he's not doing everything. And he doesn't hold all the equity anymore. There's been total transition plans made for everybody to have equity to grow. So I just want, we call that map four, or we call that the age and tasks map. And it's so important. You are not 21 anymore. And if you are 67, how much gas do you still have in the tank? And for women, Emily, because a lot of your audience will be women, 
and the women that I saw in your beautiful beach picture of your of your <laughs> retreat group, you know, those young women, they have dreams and hopes and aspirations. And they're looking at their mother-in-laws and they're going, she's really tired. She's given him her best 45 or 50 years. And here's the coaching question that gives everybody goosebumps. When is it her turn to get what she needs and wants? When, when, and that's the powerful coaching question by when dad, are you going to step back without stepping away so that you and mom can deserve and get some freedom and some pleasure from the fruit of your labor that you've put into this farm for the last 45 years. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a question, Emily, that many people can't answer, as you said earlier, because so many people do not have thinking time to think about what is the life you truly want. And it's different. It's not the same that as it was 30 years ago. Right. And my greatest joy is opening up birthday presents with my granddaughter this week when she turned six and meeting her on the bus and having little Ruby and her friend yesterday fill up the wading pool. And, you know, it's scorching hot here right now. It's 30 degrees Celsius plus, I don't know, 85 Fahrenheit. It's hot. And just to have the joy of, wow, we get to do this. We get to have this freedom. Mm-hmm. But I'm so sad for the families, especially for women who don't feel that they have a voice and don't feel that they are hurt. Mm-hmm. Hey, friends, I'm going to be totally honest. In the past four months, my habits have gone out the window. Pregnancy be humbling like that sometimes. But now that I'm starting to feel like a functional human again, I am so ready to get back to the things that I know make me feel physically, mentally, and emotionally healthy and strong, which is why I am jumping into a new round of You Do You 82. You Do You 82 is a habit challenge where you get to choose six habits to intentionally build or break through the lens of progress over perfection for 82 days. This challenge is 1000% free and anyone can start anytime. However, I know it's always more fun when we do something like this together. I'm jumping in within the next couple of weeks and I think you should too. If you are ready to bring some intentionality into your life and truly take care of you throughout this summer, I invite you to join us. Tap the link in today's show notes to download your free Journey Through You Do You 82 workbook today. Whether or not you've done this before or anything like it, I believe that any time is a good time to invest in yourself. There's no need to compare yourself to where you've been, where you wish to be, or what anyone else around you is doing. This is for you exactly where you're at today. Again, you're going to tap the link in today's show notes, head to youdoyou82.com to get started. I am so ready. Let's do this. So how do you help or coach families who have that generation that, like you said, stay involved to kind of step back or imagine like, what do you actually want your life to look like? That's a question that comes up all the time on this podcast, who I think for a lot of, and I'm going to generalize and say men in that generation, like they've just been grinding it out for as long as they can remember. They don't know or have any identity outside of what they've been doing for so long, that I imagine that that's a very jarring question. And I think that's where, in my perspective, 
where so many families struggle is those the the parents or the grandparents or you know that kind of in that 60 70 range who maybe within themselves feel that need for change but also don't want to release that identity or that control or you know don't know what life looks like without working a bajillion hours and pouring right. everything into the farm. So how do you facilitate those conversations with that generation specifically? So one, I actually have a sheet called, what do you want? That has just some prompting questions on it. But in the Hudson Institute training, we have this thing called the cycle of renewal, which is phase one, which is go for it, where you're really aligned and reaching your goals. And I know you love to talk about those things and, yeah. and, you know, Tiggy Boo, things are really great. But then there comes a point in people's life where they may hit what's called the doldrums. And my husband hit the doldrums on October 2nd of 2017 when he was checking soybeans, had a flat tire, changed the flat tire on his a Chevy pickup truck. Unfortunately, he was on a grid road and the other guy didn't see him. So he hit a hydro trailer, an industrial trailer, airbags went off, got airlifted to Winnipeg to trauma care for 10 days. Almost, you know, he had 13 fractures. He was really banged up, had a concussion, miracle, no internal injuries. But you said jarring. That was his jarring. And that's what you don't want to have happen. You don't want to have a heart attack, a stroke, cancer, a bad accident, be the tipping point that shifts you into having a different choice of how you want to spend your life. Mm. But in the culture of agriculture, Emily, you mentioned the gazillion hours. No days where, off. <laughs> where, no, I totally, I totally yeah. speak against that and stand yeah. against that because Me in our too. family, we're a family of faith, always have mm -hmm. been. I told you my father-in-law was a preacher. We don't work on Sundays, yeah. And we, but we don't have livestock. But I grew up on a livestock farm. We always went to church on Sundays. There was always that Sabbath keeping or rest day or some a place for people to reset. So here's the powerful phrase. Where is it written that we have to work on Sundays? And I had this challenge with a, an entrepreneurial brewing company slash farm where the father said, well, we have to, I said, no, you don't, mm -hmm. you don't have livestock. You don't have to work on Sunday. And even people, dairy farmers, Dutch dairy farmers, whatever, who have livestock, they still can create rhythm mm -hmm. and pacing for their family mm -hmm. as well. So where is it written that you are, are feeding into that? The other problem with the culture that we've accepted is the badge of honor around workaholism. Yes. And I've written about that too. Mm -hmm. Workaholism is People who Dr. Val Farmer said years ago, and he's from Fargo, North Dakota, and I met him once, he said, workaholics are lazy in relationship. Mm. And you know, that is true. Like women, we long for connection and relationship. And one of my highest values is friendship and intimacy and relationship. So during the pandemic, which I called the great pause, every night I would phone someone, Emily, who came, who was prompted in my mind to call. And I stayed connected to hundreds of people. I wasn't lonely. I was lonely physically, not being able to connect physically with people, but I could still emotionally connect with people. So this is the dance. And where is it written then for that farm woman who has a husband who loves to be on the tractor or physically present in the farm operation that she can't go traveling with another friend or with her sister? Oh, I would never do that. I go, really? Why? Because you're not getting what you're needing. Your husband is getting what he needs because he just wants to stay put. Mm -hmm. And so understanding too, I think in, in marriage relationships, your spouse will never meet all of your needs. Mm 
Mm. And there's a great book by, um, it's called His ne- His Needs, Her Needs. There's another one on marriage called Love and Respect. And one of my favorite ones is John Gottman's book, Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And one of those principles is making quick repair. Because it's that conflict and that tension around you being a frustrated young new bride on the farm. We should do a whole podcast on how to marry a farmer, like how to get through the first year, right? Yeah. That would be amazing. Because my husband, who was a farmer kid, and I'm a farm kid, he says, yeah, that first year was was interesting. And Mm -hmm. I I, I guess I didn't realize he was having as much adjustment issues as as I I didn't seem to be. But anyway, we're all different. Mm -hmm. So to this question of why people don't want to try new things. So where I was going with this map is when the doldrums happen, when you have this tipping point or something where you're disengaged or sad about your life, you're not going to change or move towards something until you create space for that. And it's called a mini transition. And it's called what you want to hold on to. I'll hold on to relationships. What I will let go of is my garden. This year in 2023 is the first year in 40 odd years. I don't have a garden. I have one, two tomato plants and a row of onions that kept up over the winter. I am mentoring my daughter-in-law, which was a shockeroo because she didn't ever like gardening until she decided that she needed carrots and cucumbers <laughs> and some mini jack pumpkins and beans as a, a growing experiment for her three kids. And then one of my employees spouses says, Elaine, will you teach me how to garden? I said, yeah, but you're doing the work. So I let go of that. And what is that created space for? That creates space for me to be at the lake house and to do renewing time, right? And to, and to have time with my girlfriends. Because I find a lot of farm men, Emily, have forgotten to keep up with their friendships. And I, I know mm-hmm. I'd love, like you said, we should get your husband on here so I could ask yeah. him questions. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of want to text him and be like, come home. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, but you know, it's it's a longing for being aligned to what we value, right? So, mm-hmm. and so, how do we do this? We test it out. You go traveling with your sister or your girlfriend, mm-hmm. or you ask your husband, you know, what would be fun? And 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 I have written a whole blog on this. Help us have more fun on our farms. Mm-hmm. And to me, fun is playing with my grandchildren or having them on the paddle boat and letting them look for snails and minnows and stuff in the lake. You know, just very simple pleasures, but I think, oh, we have to go spray or we have to go check the shop. Yes, you do. But it, but I do think you? what's, <laughs> I think, well, I think the farm becomes a monster to some people. I think where, so. Where did you let that happen, Emily? How, how did you let the farm become a monster? Well, and that's, you know, going to that, that no days off mentality. I'm so in alignment with you on that is not only Sunday, but left to its own devices, there is a to-do list on the farm. And really in any career, because I have caught myself in this pattern. I was an elementary school teacher and then I was in the nonprofit space. And it was interesting when I was working for a local YMCA, I was responsible for our summer camp. And so my husband and I kind of had this reverse role where I had this 12 week period where it was like the to-do list will literally never end. And I can put in 60 hours a week without blinking. Like I can come home after dark every night without even trying. And so he got to see the opposite of what that looked like. And what that felt like. Right. And I got to see on his point of view when he just feels like he can't get away. And so those years were a really defining moment for us to be able to be like, okay, but what do we actually have to do? Because like you said, the farm 
can be a monster or it can be this never ending. So sure, you can always have to, have to, have to, have to, have to, but do you? What are the priorities? What can wait till tomorrow? And how does that align with the values that you have for your family? If you say that being a present parent is important, but well, and, that's and never... Right. Case in point, my son, who's, you know, we've just come off of a month of serving customers and certified seed. We have a certified seed business and we farm 5,000 acres. We got the last field planted on Monday and the tire fell off the air seeder. But, you know, <laughs> thank goodness it's all done. But you, you have to understand how tired you are because you've mm-hmm. put in really long weeks. But it doesn't matter because Sundays are always a rest day and a quieter day. But last night, my son was at his daughter's soccer game and he phoned us and he said, hey, there's a truck coming. Okay, so then my husband can go out and load that customer and serve them. So yes, you do make help flexibility for each other, right? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. one of the most powerful things my husband said to me is, Elaine, when you come home from a four or five day road trip speaking, I don't want the leftovers. I don't want to feel like I get the brown paper bag from the Chinese food restaurant kind of thing, you know? And that's another powerful, I think, Emily, communication tool Mm -hmm. to use a word picture that helps you describe how you're feeling. And Mm -hmm. our coaching team has just become big fans of the book, Nonviolent Communication by Dr. Marshall Rosenberg, B-E-R-G. He's written, he's sold over 5 million copies of this book, but he has a very good model and I'll just help the listeners. What are you observing? And I'm observing that I can come in back into my office after six o'clock at night and just do emails. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm 66. I've earned the right not to have to come back into my office after six o'clock at night. And I've also earned the right to take Fridays off, which I do now. And my daughter-in-law loves it because she plans to have grandma time on Fridays at some point. And and the kids had a sleepover with me last week. And the moon was amazing. It was a full moon last Friday night. And at two o'clock in the morning, I got to show my six-year-old granddaughter how beautiful God's creation was Mm. with this liquid gold light on the lake, right? So those are special moments and memories that you'll, you can never, you can never take, take that away. Mm -hmm. So when you have this mini transition and you've let go of something, be very clear about what you want to keep, hold on to, but then what you want to take on. And here's the other thing, women your age are doing too much because Mm -hmm. they add and they add and they add, but they don't subtract. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I, you know, I, I have now more followers on TikTok than Instagram, which is crazy to me, but I'm talking about controversial things in agriculture that catch things on fire. But I also know that if I spend too much time on Instagram, you know, people comparison can be a joy stealer. And so your life on your farm is your life. And how you do you is what works for you. And like you said, Emily, what's aligned to your values? Mm -hmm. So we value generosity. We value honesty. We value teamwork. And we've actually done this as an online assessment, which I have called the value style indicator. My daughter-in-law, when she was dating our son, was also open to doing a personal style assessment. Mm -hmm. And what do you think it feels like to be her having a mother-in-law who wrote the book (laughs) called Farming's in Love and some days I'll just go up to her and I'll say, did I tell you how much I appreciate you? And she said, oh, what kind of coaching call did you have today? <laughs> but one of the most powerful questions that I can ask her as my daughter-in-law is, what would you like me to do differently? 
So for your husband, when you were going through your YMCA camp days, mm-hmm. you're, a powerful question for you to him is like, I'm pretty sure you don't like it. And I'm getting home in the dark every night, you know, for 12 weeks, especially when you're newly married. That's not like, hello, you don't <laughs> want to do that forever. Right. So you changed it up. You went to something that, that fills mm-hmm. you better than where you were when you had those days. Yeah. And I, I think that's the other problem with older people. This is the way we've always done it. Yes. And you're just going seriously. And I say change is inevitable. Growth is optional right? And you and I are both lifelong learners. We're never going to stop growing. Yes. So when it comes to aligning values or even identifying what your values are, then how do different generations on the farm or even different families on the farm have that conversation together? Because I can think of a couple of different examples where maybe one family has identified you know what, like we are not going to be working all hours of the day. We prioritize being present. And then another family maybe hasn't considered that or has a different mentality. And then the parents are, well, we've always done it this way. The expectations are this. So how do you bring everyone together? Hey friend, I hope you've been enjoying today's interview with Elaine. This was such a good, deep conversation that we decided to break it into two parts. Be sure to tune in next week to catch the second half of this conversation. If there were any pieces that resonated with you today, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend who is also navigating farm transitions or with your family members as a way to open the door to hard combos on your own operation. Until next time, I'm so forever grateful for you. Have I told you today how much I appreciate you? I'd like to imagine this was a meaningful backyard patio kind of chat between friends sipping LaCroix at sunset. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a screenshot to share or forward this episode to a friend. You can also find me at Emily Rushel over on social to continue the conversation. It's truly a joy to hear what tidbits and takeaways made an impact on your day. As always, all links and resources mentioned in today's episode can be found in the show notes listed below or over at emilyrushell.com. Special thanks to my podcast manager, Jill Carr, for the time and love she puts into producing gathering growth for this community. What a blessing it is to be on this personal growth journey together. Forever grateful for you.